podcasting from a heathen homestead in rural southwest Virginia, this is F is for Feo, a discussion of the runes known as the Old English Futhork, produced by Golden Comedy Kindred. Hello, and welcome to the first podcast of F is for Feo. I'm Steve, your host for today's episode. Over the course of this podcast, we'll be going over each rune of the Old English Futhork, focusing on the verse of the Old English rune poem associated with that rune. But we wanted to take the first two episodes to discuss the runes more broadly. In this episode, we will be discussing the historical and mythological backgrounds of the runes, while the next, we will discuss the history of the three existing rune poems, particularly focusing on the Old English rune poem. In today's society, nearly universally literate, it's easy to forget how truly amazing the simple act of writing actually is. There's a magic in writing that's often overlooked, the ability to transmit thoughts and ideas, to speak from one mind to the other, without regard for time or space. The mystery of the written letters was not lost on ancient writers. The word rune means, at least at its heart, secret or whisper. In Old English, the word rune means secret, mystery, or advice, in addition to meaning a letter. And the verb runian means to whisper, murmur, talk low, talk secrets, conspire, or talk secretly against a person. It should be mentioned that while some may try to claim detailed knowledge of what pre-conversion pagan religion, including pre-conversion use of the runes, was actually like, this is not the case. The use of the runes in modern heathenry is based on some historical aspects, but includes influences extending from prehistory to the present. Runes can have a variety of uses, including transliterating writing, divination, magical inscriptions, and more. Many of these uses, in concept and application, are modern, in whole or in part. This does not detract from these uses, and it is not our intention to discuss the appropriate use or veracity of any practice, but simply to give some insight into the runes. When used for transliteration, each rune is a phoneme. That is, each runic character is a letter that stands for a particular sound and speech. It's possible to translate any language into any set of runes. In transliterating, the modern writer must decide on how much to follow phonetic pronunciation of whatever language he or she is transliterating, versus how much to use runes that match the written letters as closely as possible. For instance, there's no V rune in the Elder Futhark. People using the Elder Futhark to transliterate modern English words into Elder Futhark will often choose Wunyo, which makes the W sound, to stand for V. Although the more appropriate rune is probably fehu, which makes the F sound, since V is a voiced F. When used for divination, the esoteric meaning of the runes is used. The esoteric meaning is linked to the object which the rune is named after, as well as the interpretation of the rune as found in the rune poems. There may also be additional unattested esoteric meanings attributed to each rune, or additional or altered meaning may be given to inverted runes, depending on the practitioner. Runes may be used to make magical inscriptions, either through transliterating phrases or words, or, more often, by repeating or combining the runes together in particular symbolic ways. Historically, the runic scripts developed from writing systems in use in Mediterranean areas, but it is unknown exactly how or when this form of writing entered into the northern European cultures. It is certain that the Roman, Greek, and Phoenician alphabets are all related to each other and to the runes, and that the runes derived from one or more of these alphabets in some fashion. The Greek alphabet was adapted from the Phoenician alphabet in the 800s to 700s BCE. Athens standardized the Greek alphabet in 400 BCE. Prior to this, there were a wide variety of different local alphabet variants, which gave rise to various letter writing systems. For instance, the Roman alphabet derived from a Western variant of a Greek alphabet. Dr. Jackson Crawford hypothesizes that the runes developed from an Eastern Greek alphabet 
via an unknown intermediary Eastern European people who were in contact with both the Greek and Germanic peoples concurrently. Others have speculated that the runes developed directly from a Greek alphabet or indirectly from Roman or Etruscan alphabets. There are several historical runic writing systems, most notably the Elder Futhark, the Younger Futhark, and the Old English Futhark. The Elder Futhark was originally used to write Proto-Germanic, the Younger Futhark was originally used to write Old Norse, and the Old English Futhark was originally used to write Old English and Old Frisian. All told, there are about 6,500 known historical runic inscriptions on various ceremonial and everyday objects, including coins, stones, bones, and pieces of jewelry. The majority of these are post-conversion. The earliest known writing which is unambiguously runic is found on the Vimos comb and dates from around 160 CE. The text clearly says Harya in Elder Futhark. The meaning of this word is unclear. The earliest known carving of the entire Futhark is that found on the Calver stone from Gotland, Sweden, which dates from roughly 400 CE. The order of the runes as depicted on that stone remained surprisingly constant through the many centuries in widely separated locations that they were used without any overseeing authority, nor printing presses to aid in standardization, and carried over to the younger Futhark and the Old English rune systems. Runes were written from left to right, from right to left, or bustrophodon, that is, snaking back and forth across the writing surface. Each rune had a name, which was generally, but not always, a word which was started with the sound the rune stood for. There are no sources that provide names for the Elder Futhark, but names for all of the runes of the Elder Futhark have been reconstructed by scholars. The names of the Younger and Old English runes correspond to each other well, and suggest an historical linkage to the putative names of the Elder Futhark runes. It is unknown how literate the populace was at the time that runes were in use, and the rate of literacy likely varied substantially over the time the runes were used. However, there must have been enough literacy to make carving monuments with runes, as well as graffiti, meaningful. In England, the runes were in use from the 5th century CE until perhaps the turn of the 11th century CE, while in Scandinavia the use of runes extended well into the Middle Ages and beyond. We should keep in mind that with the exception of the Codex Runicus, all runic texts are quite short. Also, we should keep in mind that we are discussing a time period of nearly a thousand years over a wide geographical area. The Elder Futhark gradually gave way to the Younger Futhark from around 790 to 1100 CE in areas which spoke Old Norse. In England and Frisia, the Elder Futhark developed into the Old English Futhork, also known as the Anglo-Frisian Futhork and Anglo-Saxon Futhork. The 24 runes of the Elder Futhark are grouped together in three rows of eight, each group being called an eight. The Elder Futhark was in use over a geographically widely spread area and survives today in around 400 inscriptions, including a few runestones, although most runestones were carved with the Younger Futhark. After around 700 CE in Scandinavia, the Elder Futhark was adapted into the Younger Futhark, which was used for writing Old Norse, the language of the Viking Age. Eight of the original 24 characters were deleted, and many others were simplified or changed shape. In the Younger Futhark, runes had more than one possible sound attached to them, making it a less efficient writing system overall. The number of known inscriptions in Younger Futhark increases dramatically after 700 CE, with runes found on many rune stones from this period. Most writing on vellum or parchment during this time was in Latin script, which existed concurrently with the runic script, the most notable exception being the Codex Runicus, which contains various law codes and even musical notation. Unlike the Younger Futhark's reduction in characters from Elder Futhark, the Old English Futhork added characters, between four and eight or more, 
depending on the source, time, location a text was written, and allowing for some later pseudo-rune additions. These extra runes were added to account for particular sounds of speech in Old English and Old Frisian. Old Frisian, of course, was very similar to Old English, and Modern Frisian is the most closely related language to Modern English. The names and shapes of these runes are known from several historical sources, but the associated rune poem, which describes 29 of these runes, is known only from a single copy, made in the 18th century, of an 8th or 9th century manuscript. The Old English Futhork was used along with the Latin alphabet by monks. There are numerous examples of mixed Latin and Old English text with mixed Latin and Futhork letters. There was also influence of the Futhork runes on the Latin alphabet used by English speakers. The Futhork letters thorn, indicating the unvoiced th, as in thin, and win, indicating w, as in wide, were incorporated into the Latin alphabet by the English and were used into the 1300s. There are several hundred inscriptions which still exist and use the Old English Futhork. The Old English runes are also found in original or copies of several manuscripts, most notably Cotton Otho B10-165, which contains the only known copy of the Old English rune poem. There was no suppression of runic scripts after conversion, and indeed, most original runic texts are post-conversion. Runic writing simply gradually gave way to the Latin alphabet. Mythologically, the runes were given by Odin, who gained them after undergoing an ordeal. This tale is found in the Havamal, specifically strophes 138 through 139. I wot that I hung on the wind-tossed tree, all of nights nine, wounded by spear, bespoken to Odin, bespoken myself to myself, upon that tree which none telleth, from what roots it does rise. Neither horn they upheld, nor handed me bread. I looked below me, aloud I cried, caught up the runes, caught them up wailing, thence to the ground fell a grin. It's the Hollander translation. This begins the rune poem portion of the Havamal, and there follows a list of runic spells which Odin claims to know, after mentioning he gave various runes to mankind, the Alfar, the Aesir, etc. The tree from which Odin hangs himself is presumably Yggdrasil, Although not specifically stated as such, the line upon that tree of which none telleth from what roots it doth rise is nearly identical to stanza 14 of Fjolsvistnamal, which is clearly a reference to Yggdrasil. If there were similar tales among any other groups who used the runes, they are lost to us. Although there's a tantalizing hint in the prose portion of the Old English Solomon and Saturn, in a series of exchanges in which Saturn and Solomon contend in wisdom, we read, Saturn asks, Tell me the four waters that feed this earth, to which Solomon replies, I tell thee they are snow, water, hail, and dew. Saturn then asks, Tell me who first set letters, to which Solomon replies, I tell thee Mercurius the giant. It was typical for post-conversion scribes to refer to the pre-conversion gods as demons or giants, and the Anglo-Saxons identified Mercury, Mercurius, with Woden. Also in the poem portion of Solomon and Saturn, the names of the runes are used to stand for things that the runes were named after. For instance, there is a runic D followed by the sentence which begins, comes forth afterwards, filled with fourfold power, and a runic H followed by a sentence that begins, hastens. The names of the rune for D in Old English is Day, and the name for the rune H is Hail. Thus, though a single rune is written, the reading is, day comes forth afterwards, and hail hastens. The writers and readers were, therefore, clearly acquainted with the Old English runes, including the names of the runes, well enough to get the reference 200 years after the runes were no longer in common use. In the Voluspa, there's mention of the Norns carving into the world tree. It's reasonable to believe that they are carving in runes, but this is not attested. 
If they are using runes, are they using them simply as letters, or are they using the innate power of the runes, or both? The runes may have been utilized in fortune-telling. Tacitus in 70 CE says of the Germanic peoples, For divination and the casting of lots, they have the highest regard. Their procedure in casting lots is always the same. They cut off a branch of a nut-bearing tree and slice it into strips. These they mark with different signs and throw them completely at random onto a white cloth. Then the priest of the state, if the consultation is a public one, or the father of the family, if it is private, offers a prayer to the gods and, looking up at the sky, picks up three strips, one at a time, and reads their meaning from the signs previously scored upon them. If the lots forbid an enterprise, there is no deliberation that day on the matter in question. If they allow it, confirmation by taking of auspices is required. Although this has been interpreted to include the use of runes in divinatory practice, there is no evidence that the marks Tacitus refers to are in fact runes. That the runes could be utilized by mortals for magical purposes is suggested in several places, most notably Egil's saga. In chapter 44, Egil takes out a knife, stabs his palm with it, and uses the blood to color runes on a drinking horn, thus protecting those who drink from the horn from poison. In chapter 58 it stated, quote, Then he thrust the pole into a cleft of the rock and left it to stand there. He turned the head toward the land and carved the whole invocation runes on the pole. This nithstang, or nithing pole, caused a curse to be laid on the target. The use of these in Iceland has apparently continued in an unbroken tradition from at least the medieval period to the current day. The most recent example at the time of this recording occurred on 4 April 2020, utilized two sheep's heads, and was directed against the Icelandic legislature. Finally, in chapter 73, Egil happens on a farmhouse where a young woman has become ill due to the misuse of the runes. The farmer asks Egil if he can assist, to which Egil replies, it might not do any harm if I try something. The story goes on to say, when Egil had eaten his fill, he went to where the woman was lying and spoke to her. He ordered them to lift her out of bed and place clean sheets underneath her, and this was done. Then he examined the bed she had been lying in and found there a whalebone with runes carved on it. After reading the runes, Egil shaved them off and scraped them into the fire. He burned the whalebone and had her bedclothes aired. He then spoke the verse, No man should carve runes unless he can read them well. Many a man go astray around these dark letters. On the whalebone I saw ten secret letters carved. From them the linden tree took her long harm. Egil cut some runes and placed them under the pillow of the bed where she was lying. She felt as if she had been waking from a deep sleep and that she was well again but still very weak. This, of course, demonstrated the power of a spell which could be cast using the runes and the problems that mishandling such power could cause. It also indicates that the magical powers of the runes was only part of the overall magical process depicted here. Although Egil's saga was written about 200 years after the conversion of Iceland, it is reasonable to think that runes were believed to have intrinsic magical properties. There are also other references to runic magic, specifically to ale runes, victory runes, and similar in medieval texts. But again, these are all post-conversion sources. There are pre-conversion runic inscriptions which appear to be specifically magical in nature. These take the form of nonsense words and phrases, single runes repeatedly carved over and over, or bind runes, multiple runes carved as a single figure, although bind runes were also used to simply represent combined rune sounds in writing. There are indications that all three major rune systems were used for magical purposes, but the Icelandic sources are the most complete and suggest this the most strongly. Any specific information on how the runes was used for magic or divination from historical pagan sources has been lost. All details of runic magical and divinatory practices are post-conversion or modern developments. In conclusion, then, we can say that historically the runes developed from a Mediterranean alphabet, 
initially in the form of the Elder Futhark, which then gave rise to the Old English Futhork and Younger Futhark. They were certainly used for all forms of writing, religious and secular, and may have been used for fortune-telling and magic. Use of the runic script faded from use, with a few exceptions, in the 14th century. There was a revival in antiquarian interest in runes starting in the 16th century. In the 20th and 21st century, they came to be used in the broader pagan movements, particularly in the heathen revival, especially in religious and esoteric contexts. Much of the esoteric interpretation and use of the runes is associated with the stanzas of various rune poems and is primarily a modern development with historical inspiration. It is very appropriate that mythologically Odin gave the runes to man, for the runes allow the dead to speak and for wisdom to be given one to another. Join us next time when we talk about the history of the rune poems. Thanks for listening to F is for Feo. If you like our show and want to know more, you can find us on Facebook at Golan Combi Kindred or online at www.golancombi.com. You can also email us at golancombikindred at yahoo.com. We may read questions, comments, or suggestions on future episodes.